Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. Here we go, guys. Then, man, this was another fun episode of sitting down with Jeff Tippett and, you know, hearing his story, how he's gotten on stages and everything that he's doing, man. And I can tell you, um, he gives a lot of tactical advice about how you should not only run your business, but how you should actually get on uh, stages and become a speaker. So, so enjoy this one. You know, as always, this episode is brought to you by Point Blank Safety Services. If you're in Texas and you need safety and security for your business, and you cannot go wrong with Point Blank Safety, they are employing off-duty police officers to protect our construction workers working on our freeways and also the people driving by these construction workers. It's a dangerous spot to be, and I'm so glad that Point Blank Safety Services employs off-duty police officers to keep both of us safe on the freeways. Um, they also do security and safety for your office buildings, your construction sites, your assets, oil wells, anywhere you need uh, security services. Why wouldn't you not, have, I mean, seriously, why would you not want an off-duty police officer, you know, to protect those assets? They have the ability to carry a gun. They can, you know, absolutely arrest. They can do everything um, in their power to make sure that your assets stay your assets. Um, and the amazing stuff they do for the families of fallen officers is beautiful with their nonprofit called Blue Family Fund. So guys, do me a favor, head over to pointblanksafety.com. Tell Stacy I sent you and, and she'll be glad to help you take care of any security and safety needs. And then Icy Tech Coolers. Man, we had a couple of friends over this last weekend, and we filled the cooler full of beer, full of uh, sodas and everything else, filled it up in the morning, um, took it over. And what I love about these coolers is they're not over-the-top heavy like some of these, these brand-name coolers that you see out there that once you fill them up, you can't move. And I filled this thing completely up, carried it by myself up onto my, you know, outdoor kitchen, which is a patio we have on the backside of the farm. And dude, that thing, people opening it, closing it. I mean, it looked like no, none of the ice actually melted out of the dang thing. It was so impressive. Um, these coolers are so well-made. They're so well put together. And they're just absolutely the exact cooler you need to have in your life. So if you go over to icy-tech.com and you use the promo code SUCCESS, you'll get $25 off of any purchase of a cooler you hear um, that you, you buy on there. So go to icy-tech.com tech.com use the word success when you check out and you'll get $25 off any of your cooler purchases now let's get on to jeff tippett
All right, guys, another fun episode. I'm bringing on a new buddy of mine. I already like his vibe. I already like his energy, so this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm bringing in Jeff Tippett. So I'm Donnie Bovine. This is Donnie Success Champions. Jeff, my brother, welcome to the show, my friend. Please tell us your story. Hey, Donnie, thanks for having me uh, on your show today. I appreciate it. I uh, look forward to just like chatting and having a real conversation with you and just kind of seeing where all this leads. Yeah, no, it'll be fun. It'll be, it'll be you know, I'll, I'll try not to make you cry. I mean, but no guarantees. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about your world, you know, where you come from and all that kind of fun stuff. Absolutely. So I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, I speak professionally. I'm out about probably about three fourths of my time. I'm out and about speaking and well, doing the things. Hold on, really quick. You know, you know how you know somebody lives in Raleigh? How's that? Because they didn't say Raleigh Durham. <laughs> no, we don't say that. Right. <laughs> in fact, the funny thing is, like, we have this aversion of Raleigh yeah. people driving to Durham and Durham people driving to Raleigh. It's right. like we're worlds apart, but we're yeah. just like twenty minutes away. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like Dallas, Fort Worth. I mean, I live in Fort Worth, but everybody, you know, it's not around the Texas area. The other hung up on this whole it's Dallas thing because of the airport. You know, so so same kind of concept. But go ahead, tell us who you are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I, I spend about three fourths of my time out speaking. Uh, I get to travel the globe speaking, which is a lot of fun, and sharing my message on persuasive communication uh, built around the framework of the emotional journey that I took adopting a baby from the country of Haiti. Um, in addition, I own a public affairs and communications firm that I launched in October of 2014 uh, to do a lot of political work, which was the worst time to launch a new company. It's election year. I launched in October. However, I put my shingle out, um, signed a half dozen clients the first week, and within the first quarter of my company, existence, I signed my first uh, international client, which happened to be this little small company out of California called Airbnb. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's a lot of fun. Nice, nice, nice. Well done. Well done. So how'd you, as a while, how in the world did you get into the speaking gig on communication and things like that? I mean, that's, it's a, it could be said as a saturated market, but you know, that's adopting a baby to speaking. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, my background, my master's is in English. So I come from a communications background um, and I have built my- And don't ever read anything I've ever written. Because <laughs> I still write like a freak. <laughs> well, I, I, do have, um, I do have writers and editors that help me out. So that, that, keeps, me, that keeps me where I, I, I need to be. So I, I've been in this space and you know, started speaking just locally is how it began. Um, and for me, especially coming from a communications background, to answer your question here about like the saturated market, yeah, in communications, it's extremely saturated. But for me, I made my focus extremely narrow in communication. So I talk on persuasive communication. And here's the genesis of that. You know, I found that in the communication space, a lot of people were just happy getting information out there. Right? That's our job. We do press releases. We do marketing. We do advertising. We get it out there. But to me, I found that a disconnect. Getting it out there wasn't enough. I needed users. I needed the audience to take the steps that my client wanted them to take. So I, I began to question, push further on this whole thing of persuasive communications. As I mentioned, like the genesis, the beginning of this for me was this adoption. Um, and, and it wasn't this like transformational moment where like my whole world changed during what I went through um, during this adoption, but it was the beginning of understanding. And so for me, again, it's more than just communicating out there. It's about persuasion. And how do I bring people along in the journey without ever manipulating them? 
Yeah. So this is going to be fun. So I spent 20 years in the sales game, right? Um, uh, and for the last seven, before I started my own company, I was a national sales trainer. Um, and, you know, there's a really, really, really fine line between persuasion and manipulation. And I know that when we taught tactics um, on grand scale, tactics like, you know, when someone asks you a question, you ask them a question back to get clarification so they can refine their question. I can't tell you how many times we got told, well, now you're manipulating a client, right? Yes. And in truth, we're just getting clarification in my mind, in my mind. So how do you have a persuasive conversation and it not be manipulation? Great question. So and when I tell people like what I do for a living, I tell them I, I speak, they'll typically say, what do you speak about? I'll say, I speak on persuasive communications. And almost every time they come back and I say something to the a similar effect of, so you teach people how to manipulate for a living. And a lot of times we think they're, they're, they're exactly the same. They're similar. They are similar in the fact that manipulation and persuasion are both about moving a person or moving a situation to a different place, right? They both have a very similar function. However, they are polar opposites. And when I speak from stage or when I do training workshops and I help people see this difference, I think it sets people free to really go out and feel a freedom to persuade. So here's how I define it. That manipulation is this. It means to control or to influence a person or situation, but to do it cleverly, to do it unfairly. So like persuasion, we're moving people, but we're moving them out of our own self-interest and what's important to us and what matters to us. Now, let's contrast that with persuasion. Persuasion, same thing. It does mean to, to call someone to do something, but to do it through reasoning or argument. Now, the word here, argument, is not what we do at our tables at Thanksgiving and Christmas when we talk about politics and religion. You know how we butt heads. It's not that. It's this meeting of the minds where you and your audience, the person you're speaking with, you both share openly about gaps, about what you're looking for, what, what you're not looking for, what you expect, what you don't expect. You have this back and forth exchanging of the minds. But then you do call someone to do something, especially after a sustained effort and having provided sound reasoning. So basically what we're doing here, if, to break it down to the Latin, it, it means to move someone through or to completion by advising. I look for two magical words when I'm wrapping up a contract, whether it's for my bureau, for my company, or if it's like with a speaking bureau and a meeting planner, I look for two magical words to know whether I persuaded or I manipulated. And those two words are, that's right. So here's what I mean, Donnie. When I finish the conversation and we're to the point, it's time to sign that contract. And they look at me and they say, hey, Jeff, that's right. Your company can fix this problem we have. You do have a solution that you can bring to the table. Or Jeff, you are the right person to be on stage for our audience. You can fix the problems that our association is experiencing. Jeff, yeah, that's right. What I know is they want it just as much as I want it. And at that point, I haven't manipulated. I have found their win in this situation. And again, they want it as much or sometimes even more so than I want it myself. Now, that's a sweet place to play, right? That's where we want to live. When they're begging us, hey, can we write you the check now? Yeah, no, I love this because, you know, and people have listened to my podcast have heard me, you know, talk about this before. When I was growing up in the sales game, 
right? I grew up in the belief of like the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, the boiler room with sales, right? And so that, that was my MO, you know, let's get it done at any cost. And what I realized later in my career is I was creating a ton of transactional sales, which means I would get the deal done, but then they wouldn't come back for seconds and thirds, right? Bingo. <laughs> that's exactly right. Because and that's a big thing between manipulation and persuasion. When we manipulate, it is transactional, right? It's most likely a one-off deal. Who wants to go back and do business with someone that manipulated them? Absolutely. But look at the other side, Donnie. What if we are persuading, right? And we are meeting their needs and we're fixing problems that we, they have. We're finding solutions. They want it as much as, as we do. Now we're building a, a relationship that can be sustained over time. We all know that customer acquisition is one of the largest expenses a company faces. We talk about marketing, PR, sales, like all of those things combined is extremely expensive. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's, it's wild to watch when I had my own epiphany along my ride that, that if I would go create a win for my prospects, yes. and get them a win, I would win. And that was such a, 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 a mind shift for me because in before, you know, I just wanted their money. Now, my career exploded once I realized that my job is, is to make them a win. Absolutely. Thanks here. I love your point. You're exactly, from my, my perspective, exactly right on. I believe that persuasion is leadership, first of all. I believe that persuasion is seeing a different outcome, seeing a better outcome, seeing a better future for someone else other than ourselves and bringing them along on that journey. And the second point is this. You're exactly right. I put a whole chapter in my book about helping others find their win oh. as a way to find our win um, using the quote from Zig Ziglar. But here's the thing, you know, Donnie, even in that, sometimes that can, we can turn that into manipulation and we can pretend to care about people. We can pretend to care about their need when really our intent is making bank ourselves. So I think we have to check our intentions, check our heart, even in that to make sure our focus is taking care of the other person. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of selfishness in the world today. Right. And, you know, uh, I don't remember who originally told me this, but, but they, they use this phrase of communication is really speaking to people how they want to be spoken to. And, you know, which means you've got to understand, adapt and, and really embrace this individual when you're talking to them. Um, I realized when I finally embraced that concept for me that I was a selfish talker. Right. I always wanted it to be about me, not the other person. You know, in your world, it's got to be the same thought process of, you know, making it really about the individual you're sitting across from. Right. Absolutely. And it's the same thing with a group of people. When I'm on stage, you know, I'm leaving Monday for Savannah, Georgia to speak in Georgia. When I step on that stage, I am not thinking about how much fun it is to be in front of people and to have the eyeballs and to have the lights. I am not thinking about the check that they've already deposited into my bank account for me to show up and speak. When I'm there, what I care about is understanding where they are. And if I could just infuse one thought in them that can lead them on a new journey, realizing, 
over a year that they can recoup the money that they spent on the conference and showing up because their business is going to change, their mindset's going to change, their life's going to change, and their life can be better. That's what drives me to be up on stage. Nah, I love that. I love that. So how did this all start with you adopting a kid from Haiti? I mean, you know, was it you just running along in life? And you're like, okay, it's time to have a kid. <laughs> oh, not at all. In fact, um, you know, my life was set. I had a three-year-old. I had a newborn. I had purchased a new home. I had founded a nonprofit. I was putting the board together. I was raising funds. I was staying true to the mission there. So with two kids, a Dalmatian and a picket fence, my life was complete. I was not looking for anything in my life. My father happened to go over to Haiti to do some humanitarian relief. And a couple weeks after he came back from Haiti, he asked to have dinner. So I went to have dinner with him. We just kind of chit-chat, caught up until dinner was over. And once dinner was finished, he pulled out one of those old school flip photo albums uh, of like, hardcore photos, like, like, like touchable photos, right? Started flipping through it, telling me the story about being in Haiti. And he was talking about the people and their zeal for life, how much they love life. He talked about their carefree attitude. He talked a lot about the family structure and how they loved like intergener intergenerational relationships and children, they value children, and told me all the stories. And then, Donna, he flipped to one picture that forever changed my life. He told me the story of his translator, who was a ninth grader, who happened to be in an English-speaking school. And while a student, she became pregnant. And the school gave her a choice. They said, you can give up your baby or you can drop out of school. Well, Donnie, I don't know how a person faces a decision like that, but my father had created this safe context for her and she shared that struggle with him. And Donnie, instantly, like I looked at that, I sat at that table. It was just me hearing the story, looking at this photo and knowing in my heart that I was to be the one to give her a home. And you can call it God, you can call it the universe, an inner voice, a gut feeling, call it whatever you want. But we probably all had those moments when we knew that we were to take a step. And it was that moment I knew that I was to adopt this baby. Wow, that's impressive. That's impressive. And good on you. Good on you. Because because not a lot of people would have made that same choice, you know, especially living the life that, that you were already living. So, so, so good on you. Um, so now you have three kids. And three kids. <laughs> your hands are full. Um, you know, but couldn't it be said that talking to your kids is the best persuasion, you know, style <laughs> of communication <laughs> training there is? <laughs> Look, it is like the very best of persuasion. That's when you know, I want to like say, you know what? I know nothing about persuasion uh, when, I, when I'm working uh, with the kids. But yeah, absolutely. That's the thing that, that I love about the topic and my expertise of persuasive communication is that in my new book that's getting ready to come out, I make the bold statement that we all live or die based upon our ability to persuade. So to me, it doesn't matter if you're the CEO of a company, if you're in sales, if you're in middle management, if you're a parent, if you're a neighbor, if you're a spouse, or if you just don't want to live alone for the rest of your life. We all live or die based upon our ability to persuade others. 
That's, that's I mean, um, you're using the word persuade, but I would just interchange that with, with sell because, you know, I hear people all the time, you know, say that, you know, I hate sales. I'm not a salesperson. And, and my, my joking response is, why are you trying to sell me on the fact that you hate sales? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, feel free to bark because you can look right at them. Why are you persuade me that you don't like persuasion? You know, um, you know, but, but that's the entire thought process because it's, it's communication, it's sales, you know, that's what makes the world go around. And if people don't study something they do every day, then odds are they're going to screw it up. And it's not about learning to be some sort of robotic voice or some sort mm -hmm. of scripted animal. It's learning about communicating so you can accomplish what you need to accomplish and in turn helping someone else accomplish what they need to accomplish, you know, on their ride and journey. So how does someone learn to be persuasive? Great question. So in the book, here's what I do. I, I walk through, I talk a little bit about the adoption story and I, I pick up the conversation we just had about manipulation and persuasion because like you said, like when it comes to like sales and so forth, I, I like to set people free that this is really about leadership. Like this is seeing a, a better future for the other person um, as well. And then you know, what I do in the book is the first third of the book, I am walking through what it takes to capture your audience, what that looks like. So I talk about messaging and how you craft a simple message that your audience can understand and can respond to. I talk about capturing people's attention early. We're in this digital age where um, I, you know, our attention spans are decreasing and decreasing. So how do you capture their attention early? And then I talk about the third area of messaging I talk about is making it sticky. Like, how do you craft a message that, especially like if you're in sales, like an hour after, after you finish the site visit or whatever this looks like, they're still hearing your words. Your message is still resonating with them. A week later, like, how are you still there? So we, I talk about that. And then the middle section of the book is all about how we connect with other human beings, exactly what you just talked about. We're not dealing with robots, right? We're not dealing with, with programmed machines. We're talking about human beings that we have to value as human beings. So during this middle section, making this connection, I talk about helping others find their win. I talk about like that physical, emotional connection that you can make with another person. And I also um, talk some about becoming an industry expert in that as well. And at the very end, the last one was like that actual, like when you're making your ask, that whole call to action thing, I talk about like how to position, um, how do you craft that call to action and, and how do you build trust with your audience? Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I, I want to dance in the last part of that a little bit because, you know, growing up, um, you know, I grew up in, you know, those movies like Boiler Room, but, you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross was probably the, the most famous the sales movie that I knew. And you got Alec Baldwin standing in front of Stephen Baldwin, whichever one it is, standing in front of the room and, you know, screaming, you always got to be closing, you know, the ABC. And, and, you know, I learned early on that you close the sale, you close the sale, you close the sale wasn't until later on that I learned the only person that can close the sale is a prospect themselves, right? If you try and do any other strategy, you're manipulating the situation. So what I learned to do was learn to assume the sale, right? I already assume that I was going to get them a win. I already assume that, that, you know, this thing was going to go through is, are you teaching that same philosophy all the way through? 
Yeah, absolutely. And so for me, for example, I, I, how I live this out, when I get on a call, when they bring me on a call with a potential speaking gig and I'm talking to the association leadership, um, now they've already taken me to that level because they've seen my assets. They know what I speak about. They know my style. They, they have all that in place. When I'm on the call with them, I don't talk to them about my new book. I don't talk to them about traveling the globe speaking. I don't talk to them about the size of audiences. I don't talk to them about the number of audiences. The first thing I talk to them about is why are you bringing a speaker in? What problem are you trying to solve for your audience? What's going on in your association? What, what level of expertise are you trying to bring to them? What are you trying to fix? What are you trying to solve? Because I want to know up front too, am I a good match for this group? Sometimes, it's, it's sometimes it, you do walk away. You're like, you know what? This just isn't going to work. Now, let's be friends because who, who, you never know when it comes back around and it could be a good match. But up front, like, I want to hear your pressure points. I want to hear your pains, what you're going through. Then, if it's a match, now let me start telling you about solutions that I can bring to the table. And if we agree and it's a match, great, we move forward and then we live it out. But I don't start all about me. I think that's the wrong way to start. I start with them. No, that, that's smart. You know, it, it's so much of this is to, in my mind is correlating to sales, and maybe because I'm a sales guy. But but you know, you should start your sales calls off the same exact way. You know, most people walk into a sales meeting, you know, where they're sitting across from the prospect and they're like, so our company was started in 1831. <laughs> and they don't care. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, would you want to sit through somebody, you know, giving you the timeline of their company history? You know? See, we make it about us. Yes. And that's a big problem with this. And that's how one of the ways we turn this around is we make it about them. They do want to talk about themselves. They do want to talk about the problems. They do want to talk about going how things are going on. So, yeah, we can call it sales. We can call it persuasion. I think it's interchangeable. I just did sales training. I just spent two hours doing a deep dive with a group of people, taking this information, specifically honing it in for sales. So, yes, it's exactly the same. And the principles apply. The principles apply dealing with your spouse or your neighbors. Start with them. Ask them questions. You will win. Right. No, I, absolutely. But, you know, this style of talking doesn't come naturally. Right. We're not trained to speak um, in this manner. So. So, I mean, how do I start flipping my own internal, you know, voice to tell me to make it about me and, and put the spotlight on them? So here's how I found here's the beginning of the understanding. And so let's go back to the, the Haitian adoption and, uh, and use that for reference and use that for the story to illustrate this point. Um, I'll skip all the details, but I was going up and down, you know, getting everything moving forward with this adoption. Um, this was the time during which President Airseed was being run out of office. And so his supporters and detractors were fighting. Like I went there, I landed in the middle of a civil war. It was the first time in my life unlike probably you, that have a gun pointed at, at my direction or to have a machete held at my neck or have to flee the city for uh, my own safety. But here's how this change started in me. We reached a point that because of the, the riots, the government shut down. In fact, buildings were being destroyed and workers weren't showing up for work. In fact, many of them were taking other jobs. They had no hope that the government would open back up. And I received an email from my Haitian attorney that explained the situation and said, Jeff, here's the thing. At, at best, consider your adoption on a long-term hold. At worst, you need to face the fact that you may never complete this adoption. Mm. 
Donnie, I'd already been there. I had met this girl. I, I had gone from the transition. Like I was no longer adopting a baby from Haiti. I was in the mode of, I'm bringing my daughter home from Haiti. So he sent me the email and, and I was devastated. I went to bed, like just totally destroyed that night. Got the next morning, full of energy ideas. Here's what I did, Donnie. I decided to fly back to Haiti. And every single day for two weeks, I walked to that government office that I needed to sign my final document. I got there optimistic in the morning, like, today's going to be my day. It's going to get signed, only to walk home defeated because no one happened to show up. Two weeks in, after doing this every day for two weeks, someone by random um, opportunity stopped into the office. So here's what happened. You can imagine, I'd been there for two weeks. Very few people around me speak English. I had all these words in my head. I speak for a living. You know that. And I had like all this emotion going at the same time. Like, I'm afraid. I'm concerned. This is my daughter. I think is falling apart. She was sick. Like, all this stuff was happening. So I was like, I was the, the perfect storm in and of myself. And I finally had a conversation with the person. And Donnie, it sounded something like this. I need you to sign my final document. I need you to complete my adoption. I need to get my daughter home. And I need you to do this now. I'm the person who gets things done, right? That's, and I just like, he's going to sign it. I'm going to go home. You know what he said? He looked at me and said, nope. I had seconds, Donnie, to turn this around. Like the whole thing was collapsing right in my hands, right here looking at me. So here's what I did. I had to figure out how do I turn this around? I drew on the limited knowledge I had of Haitian culture. And I turned my story this way. I said, most likely you care about family. You probably value children, and I would venture to guess that you think Haitian babies are jewels to your society. Here's the thing. There's this little baby. Her name is Jeanne, and I held the paper up. I said, this paper right here represents Jeanne. Jeanne doesn't have a home. She's in a creche, a halfway house. She doesn't have a home. She doesn't have anyone to support her. She has no one to pay her medical bills. She has no one to love her. She has no promise of a home. She has no promise of an education. You can give her all that by signing this one document. Within 10 minutes, it was signed, notarized. I was out the door. And that was my first understanding of turning this around and putting my focus on the other person. Man, that... Well done. And, and kudos for having that, that tenacity and grit because I think a lot of people would probably have thrown in the towel, right? Not a lot of people would have fought through it. So seriously, good on you. you know, and here's the thing is I think like the old saying goes, necessity is the mother of all invention, right? And, you know, I, I constantly, when I get the opportunity to get on stage, tell people that they've got to get punched in the face by life to figure anything out. And, and you were, I mean, that, that's a perfect example. You were in a spot to where you were getting punched in the face. Society was saying, no, you kind of said, hold my beer and watch this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Donnie. But it, it took me failing though. I mean, yeah. like I, I, I did what I knew to do. I thought I was just going to make this thing happen. Um, it took me failing. And isn't it interesting, especially in, like in the business space, how many times our failures that we think have defeated us and destroyed us and are ending our lives and our careers actually turn out to be the very best thing that could happen to us and often teach us something new or set us in a new direction or push us somewhere where we look back and say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that happened. I wouldn't change that now. Yeah, I, got, I felt like I got gut punched. He told me no. Yeah, at the moment I did. 
But would I go back and change that now? Absolutely not. And you know, and that's the answer to life. I think it's it's the ability to find yourself in a situation originally going into it, not knowing how to handle it to coming out on the other side, learning that there was an absolute way to handle it. And, and then evolving to that next level version of yourself to, to be able to level up and do it again. Do you, you know, do, do you think that tenacity and grit to go through all that in that moment, do you think that came because it was situational or you know, where did it come from? Part of it, I, I think it's just, you know, in my DNA, like that's just kind of like, I have that natural uh, thing of continuing to go on. But there's also, I think there's this inner strength that comes because, you know, Donna, there were several times I wanted to throw my hands up. The day that I got that email saying that it was, um, that you know, it, it wasn't moving forward, like I wanted to quit. I, I actually didn't think I had any option other than to quit. But then I started thinking through this and I questioned myself, like, did I really hear this inner voice saying I was supposed to do this? Or, you know, did I just have heartburn from dinner? Like, what was this, you know, that, that happened? And then I started thinking through, like, what have I done to this mom? Because she had efficiently abandoned her baby and put her baby in this crash. And I started questioning, what have I done to this baby who now is in this temporary housing and has no place to go? Like, all these things are spinning around. But there was this internal grit, as you call it. But the next morning, like waking back up, all right, I got a new idea. Let's go do this. And not giving up, going back to the strength that I had when I first felt that I was supposed to do this. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and that's it is, <coughs> excuse me, geez. Um, that's it. I mean, when, 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 when you, I don't know, I have this belief that what you get stacked up against it, it's when your mind really starts working. Because a lot of people haven't learned to quiet their mind enough to start, you know, internalizing and thinking. So they have to find themselves in situations to force themselves to punch through and, and get moving. And I, and I think that's the, the epitome of where this came from you is, is, I mean, you were stacked up against it. The whole reason you were there was taken away from you. So you've got no choice but to punch through it. And wouldn't you agree that if people would find themselves on a regular basis in situations to where they're forcibly putting themselves up against it, they have no choice but to level up and keep moving forward, but most yeah. people are just avoiding it? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, like for me, like part of my aha moment here, like up to this point, I thought my struggle, my fight here was against a government that was corrupt, a government that was decaying, a government that was falling apart. I thought that was my struggle and I was going to beat this government. But what I learned in the moment there, you know, what I learned when he told me no was like, my struggle is really internally. My struggle is how do I change to become the type of person that can lead through persuasion? And in my case, like I saw a better future for this baby. I saw a home where she could be loved. Someone would take care of her, take care of her medical bills, give her an education. That's the future that I saw to go back to my original point of talking about this being leadership and seeing a different future. I saw it, but to get there, I had to, just like we talked earlier, through sustained effort. Like I had to help this person understand how this outcome would give him something that was of value to him. So again, it, it, my struggle 
I learned it. Like I had to flip my mindset. Like I'm not fighting the government anymore. I am not this whole decaying government. This is not my struggle. My struggle is within and I've got to change. I got to become a new person in the middle of all this to take this to the next level. And I absolutely love it because I don't think enough people are willing to do the fight. You know, I think a lot of people have gotten to that point in their life where they're okay being okay. And you know, that couldn't have been an easy switch to flip to do that, was it? No, I mean, it's like, I, you know, this was like seconds. It's like kind of that slow-mo type thing, you know, where you feel like, like, like seconds become an hour. So like I'm in this thinking, you know, oh my gosh, this is falling apart. This is it. Like, this is my one chance here. If this doesn't turn around right now, this could be it. What am I going to do? How do I draw? And then just being open to for these resources to start flowing through my head, ideas to start flowing through my head of how I could potentially change that situation. So are you carrying that forward then? Are you are you looking for those opportunities to expand and evolve by by trying to find yourself in situations where you've got to amp up? You know, I think like it feels like almost every day is like that for me. Like, you know, I, I speak about once a week as a travel. And, and when I come come off the stage, it's like, okay, what could have been better in that talk today? Like, did I connect with my audience? Like, did I see the smiles when I share my story? Do, do I, do they, are they at the edge of their seat? When I start giving them and walking through the three C's of persuasion, when I start walking through that, are they taking notes? Are they getting it? What can I do better to connect and help them understand my message so they can go change their lives? I think it's like, like constant for me. Same thing with client work. Like I can't be satisfied with what worked yesterday because I've got a new client with a new problem and I've got to find a new solution for them. That's, that's brilliant, bud. I mean, and I, I hope people are listening because, because that's, I think you know, once again, the answer to life is, is looking for ways to evolve, looking for ways to continue to go for it, looking for ways to expand and become that better version of yourself but because you're constantly testing and trying and being okay that you know that whatever you try today may blow up and go south. But it's that, okay. it's that, that ability, right, it's that ability to keep moving forward. You know? <laughs> you know, if we can accept that, okay, it's the whole thing may blow up. Okay, am I going to wake up tomorrow morning? Most likely. Am I going to have breath? Most likely. You know, can I start my day? Can I fix a cup of coffee and get started all over again? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, the past is the past. I learned something. Great. How do, I, how do I translate that today? How do I make today better? How do I make tomorrow better? I have blown up so many. I have messed up so probably more than more success. In fact, when I'm on stage, people would rather hear about my failures than they would my successes. Like they can connect with that because they've had failures of themselves and they, they like the encouragement of, yeah, we failed. I failed. You failed. So. Let's get back up. Let's go. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And this this is this has been fun. Where do you think all this is going to take you? I mean, I mean, are you uh, going to be? I don't know. The, the next Tony Robbins and the next you know Jeff Tippett. You know, you know, where's this all going to take you? Well, I hope that it continues to take me on stages across the globe. I hope it continues um, to help me expand and to help. Other people make their life better, close sales, close deals, you know, bring along followers, make things happen. And I, another love of mine that I'm getting ready to uh, explore is how do I help business leaders, entrepreneurs, and activists land their first paying sp paid speaking, speaking gigs and get up on stage? You know, for some people, it's about lead generation. For some, it's about revenue. For some, it's about becoming an authority in their industry. Like, how do I help 
other people do what I've already done? And how do I help them become success if this is a space where they want to, to be? So you know, part of the journey there in Haiti, like understanding my essence, my essence here is, is really coming alongside other people, showing them ideas, showing them things to think about that they can then go change their lives and change the lives of people around them too. No, I love that. And, you know, I love that space you're going into because there's so many people. I mean, even people that I coach and work with that are that are moving into that realm and they see the people on stages, they see the people in spotlights and in their mind, they want to get there. And they, they don't often realize that most people have been working for years to get to some of those stages, right? They've been They've been learning the processes. They've been getting punched in the face. So everything that we've talked about is the same principles they're going to apply to get to that next level. Are you going to start a, a coaching school for that? Are you going to? Yeah, you know, I'm launching a 12-month mastermind. So in, in this mastermind over 12 months, like we walk through every single thing a person will need to land their first high-paid speaking gig. And we can each define that for ourselves, what that that particular gig looks like, um, but you know, walking through like all the steps in sequential manner. And this is like a grad school program. I mean, there's books that go along with each week. There'll be industry experts in each one of these areas that we talk about. I want to bring extreme value. I um, mean, the easiest way to stay up on that is just through my website at jefftippett.com. Um, as we get ready to release all that information, you can sign up for the newsletter and all that information will be right there. That's awesome. And that's, and, and, you know, I'm assuming all your social media, everything there is there at Jeff Tippett. I'm everywhere. I'm on all the channels. I'm all there. Nice. Nice. And uh, you say you speak once a week, which is, you know, really impressive. And that's, that's taken a lot of work to be able to pull off that kind of speaker schedule. Um, uh, where, where are some of the cool upcoming things that people might be able to catch you if they're out and about? Well, the coolest was what I just finished. Um, I had a client that took me to St. Martin. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so not only did I get one night there, they paid for three nights. They paid two uh, first class tickets to fly to St. Martin. I had ended up adding on a few extra nights uh, as well. So yeah, there I am. It's freezing here. I'm there. It's 80 degrees in the daytime, 70 degrees in the evening, um, hanging out there. So and my next, you know, here in the States, my next ones are in um, Savannah, Georgia. I leave next week for Savannah, Georgia. I'm speaking in Norfolk, Virginia. I'm speaking back in Raleigh. And then I'm speaking in Washington, D.C. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Jeff, brother, I got to tell you, it's been a lot of fun having you on here. I've really, really enjoyed this ride. You know, here's how I wrap up every show. And I do stump some people with this. So stand by for that. If you are going to leave the champions who listen to this show, um, business owners, entrepreneurs, people from all walks of life, 78 countries around the world that listen to the show, if you were to leave them with a quote, a phrase, a mantra, a saying, something they can take with them on their journey, especially if they're stacked up against it, what would be that quote or phrase you would say, remember this? I have to point to Zig Ziglar, who we've talked about this multiple times today, who says that we'll get everything in life we want if we just help enough other people get what they want. And if you will switch your mindset and put it on the other person, all your dreams are going to come true. Absolutely. Well said, man. And it's one of the greatest quotes of all time. Jeff, thanks so much, man, for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you, Donnie. You've been a great host. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. And the ground is no place for 
That was a fun episode. Man, he just dropped so many cool things. I, I just love it when somebody comes in and, and, and they teach, right? They they walk you through some of the tips and tricks that they do. Uh, Jeff's such a good dude. Make sure you reach out and say hi and all the social platforms and everything um, uh, and, and follow what he's doing. He's doing some really, really, really cool things. And you know, guys, if you got any value out of this show, do me a favor. Share it with one person. Tell one person to tune into this and come say hi. Um, and with that, you know, leave me a review wherever you you listen to podcasts and come hang out in our Facebook group, Success Champions. Just go to Facebook.com, up in the top search bar, type in Success Champions, and we'll be the first group that pops up. We'll see you guys there. Thanks for tuning in. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.